Thank you, Walter and Diana. And uh, I just want to give my two cents as a plug for the growth groups as well. And, you know, as Walter and Diana touched on there, you know, during this uh, period of time, I think we sense in our hearts how valuable uh, relationships are. And so these groups uh, are wonderful opportunities for you to have uh, a context at least once or twice a month to, uh, to see people on, on Zoom or, to, or, to, or however the group is gathering together and for you to encourage one another, challenge one another, support one another, pray for one another. And so go to the church website and sign up. Secondly, uh, I also want to just highlight that on Monday night when we had our informational meeting for the Education Center and our tutoring initiative, we were blown away about how much interest uh, we had for, for this uh, program. And in fact, we just felt like this was a blessing from the Lord, that God is continuing to open doors for us to be a blessing into our community. And so thank you to everyone that is serving as a tutor or helping out with the Education Center. We're doing our best uh, to try to reach out to everyone and uh, just, given the, just given how all of this is coming together, in some ways maybe it's a little slower than we would like, but uh, our hope is to start right after Labor Day. If you uh, indicated that you would like to serve and yet and you haven't had an opportunity to officially know exactly how, uh, please again go to the church website and there you will be able to fill out a form that says what role you'll serve and if you are going to serve as a tutor, which is our greatest need, uh, you can indicate how you would like to do that and at what times. And so uh, again, keep this in your prayers. We are super excited about our education center and how the Lord is going to use this. We're trying to reach out to each person individually and uh, send an email or make a phone call, but if you want to just take the initiative, uh, you can go to the church website at this time and let us know. You know, as we transition uh, our hearts and our minds now to God's Word, I want to start the sermon with a saying that you may have heard before. It's been said, last words are lasting words. The words we share with loved ones in the last moment of our lives are usually most important in nature. If you knew you only had a few days or even a few hours to live, how would you spend your time? Most of us, I doubt, would binge watch the latest TV show. And you probably, no matter how beautiful the day was, you probably would not lay out in the sun trying to get a nice tan. You probably wouldn't read a novel, and you probably wouldn't go to the shopping mall to buy the latest fashions. What you would do is you would spend those moments with those that are most important to you. You would talk about the things that are really uh, that, that are important to you and, and weigh heavy on your heart. You probably wouldn't talk about the Lakers or the, or the Clippers or the Dodgers. And you definitely wouldn't talk about the Angels because things are depressing enough the way they are. A little zinger for the Angel fans out there. Uh, but the idea is you would talk about what is most memorable, what is most significant, 
Because lasting, because last words are lasting words. These are the things that will carry on long after we are gone. As Renee said uh, in the worship uh, time, uh, this Sunday is our last Sunday in the Gospel of Luke. And we started uh, in Luke with Jesus' birth uh, at Advent season last year. And so we have traveled all the way through all 24 chapters now. And what we are going to look at this morning are the, the, is the last passage in the book. These are the last moments that Jesus has on earth. He has died on the cross. He has been raised from the dead. He has appeared to uh, several people. First of all, to the women at the tomb, and then to his disciples, and then to the two men on the Emmaus Road. And now he gathers one final time those that are closest to him, his disciples and his closest followers. And these are his last moments. What do you think he'll say? What do you think he'll do? Well, in this passage, he impresses upon his disciples and his closest followers those things that are most important. In fact, as we look at this this morning, uh, what we see here are fundamental principles for living a successful life with God while Jesus is in heaven. You see, this is where it boils down to us. This is, uh, we, we get a glimpse, a, a sneak peek into uh, what happened with Jesus and his disciples. But now for those of us that are followers of Christ, these are the same principles for us, fundamental principles for living a successful life with God. And so we want to go before the Lord and ask for his help. These are going to be uh, wonderful truths to impress upon our own hearts. Let's go before the Lord in prayer and ask for his help as we turn to his word. Father God, I pray now that as we open up your scriptures that you would come and that you would be our teacher and that you would speak your words, words of life and of power and of encouragement. Speak your words into our hearts and our minds. Well, I am gathered uh, here with a few others in this sanctuary, and we have many that are watching in homes all over the area. But God, your spirit is wherever people call upon your name. And so God, we pray that by your spirit that you would come and speak through me in this place, and then in each person wherever they are listening. And God, may it be your truth that we take and hold on to. And may it guide us in our lives this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as I said, we are in the last part of Luke chapter, uh, the, the Gospel of Luke. And so we are in Luke chapter 24. And we are going to be reading from verse 36 to 52. The last uh, two sections of the Gospel of Luke. Take out your Bible. I'm going to have you circle a couple words, so I'd love you to have the, the scriptures in front of you. If you're, using a, uh, if you're using your iPhone or your iPad or whatever it is, you can highlight these words. But I'm going to point out a few words that I think are keys to pointing us to these fundamental principles. Again, uh, we are in Luke 24, verses 36 through 52. When they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace 
be with you. Okay, there we go. Pause. Circle the word peace. That's the first word. That's a key word that we're going to come back to. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not, be, uh, and while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, "Do you have anything here to eat?" And he gave a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. I assume the reason he ate uh, fish is because. Here is physical food. A, a ghost could not eat physical food like this. It would probably fall right to the ground or something. I don't know. But, uh, but he, again, providing evidence that he's really there with him. This is not just a vision or a, fra a fragment of their imagination. Verse 44. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses the prophets, and the psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead, and on the third day, uh, and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Okay, now get ready. Here's the key verse for today. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. Okay, circle the word promised. That's a key word. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Circle the word power. That's another key word. And then just to finish out the book, when, they, when he had sent them out from the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, uh, they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Okay, this is the last passage of the Gospel of Luke. And the first thing that seems so interesting to me in this passage is that, what, that we see the disciples still struggling in their faith. Did you notice that? Verse 38, why do doubts rise in your mind? Verse 41, they still did not believe it. Isn't it interesting that his disciples, those closest to him, the ones that have followed him and had a relationship with him for at least the last three years, the, the ones that have seen him do miracles and heard his teaching and, uh, and felt his love, there are still doubts that rise up in their mind. And I find that to be quite interesting. In fact, I find a, a little bit of encouragement in that. Because, it is, because if the disciples are struggling with faith and doubt, 
then surely God understands when we struggle in our faith and when we struggle with doubts. You and I are on a spiritual journey, am I right? Uh, we have experienced highs and lows. We've gone through times where emotionally we were on the mountaintop. And then there have been times where emotionally or spiritually we were in the valley. We are on a spiritual journey. This, has been, this is what we see even in the life of the disciples. They have not arrived. Their faith is not perfect. Even having spent three years with the Messiah himself, they still struggle with doubts. They still struggle to believe. And surely that gives us a little bit of hope and encouragement as well. Because until we stand before Jesus himself in glory, there will be seasons in our lives that we struggle with our faith. There will be seasons in our life in which uh, we have our own doubts. And, all, and that is okay. In fact, I want to uh, call this, uh, what we are talking about this morning, I want to call the, the idea that we are on, the, on a path. We are journeying together with Jesus. I've created this little pinwheel that is to represent uh, the teaching of the Gospel of Luke. And at the center of this pinwheel is the idea that we are on a path. You and I, we, we're on a path. Sometimes we've uh, veered to the right and sometimes we've swerved to the left. And sometimes we're on the straight and narrow, just like Jesus taught, about, taught us. But if it is okay for the disciples, if Jesus doesn't give up on them... He still tries to cause them to come close and to feel his hands and to feel his feet, to, to watch him eat a, a piece of broiled fish. If, if, they, if he's still coming and, and revealing himself to us, surely we can have confidence that while we are on this path, in the highs and the lows, that we can keep journeying because it's God's desire to not give up on us. It's God's desire to show himself to us. The book of Luke seems to have uh, even been written for someone who is a spiritual seeker. He's on, uh, this, this man by the name of Theophilus is on a spiritual journey himself. He's, he's, uh, he's on a path. This is what we get in the opening verses of the Gospel of Luke. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us from those who were the first eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. So that's, that's what Luke is saying. He says, uh, you know, there have been lots of people that have witnessed these things. Lots of people that have experienced these things. Many people have been on this spiritual path, a journey. And I myself have carefully investigated all these things from the very beginning. Therefore, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. We don't know who this Theophilus is, but it seems that he has a spiritual curiosity because it says in the next verse, so that you may know the certainty of the things that have been taught to you. Even Theophilus has wrestled with belief. It's been an up and down battle for him. 
And so my challenge for you this morning is don't give up on the idea of faith. If you have had an inkling of the spiritual life in your life, if you've ever felt just a nudge towards the, uh, a divine presence, which I think we have, keep journeying. Even if you are struggling to believe in this moment, keep seeking God. You'd be surprised how many people have had their lives changed by what we might call the atheist prayer. God, if there is a God, may you come and save my soul if I have a soul. And how many people have cried out to God in their unbelief, in their doubts, and God has drawn near to them? Dallas Willard used to always say that God's address was at the end of your rope. And that's true. When we feel like we're, we're at our worst point spiritually, it is oftentimes where God shows up most clearly in our lives. And so faith and doubt are part of the Christian life. High points and low points are all there. We are on a spiritual journey. We're, we're traveling along the path. And, uh, and so now what are these fundamental truths that Jesus gives us for his faith? The first word I had you circle as we went along in the uh, biblical account was the word peace. And I think that peace is a, a key aspect to our faith. And so I'm going to put it here on the pinwheel. And uh, peace is a key aspect to our spiritual journey. Verse 36, Jesus stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And so with that peace in the Gospel of Luke, we, we also have a sense of, of joy and hope. Remember what it said in verse 52? Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. This is the idea of, of the emotions that fill our hearts as we uh, walk along this path. Not that we will always just be filled with this completely, but the idea of if we are walking with God, these things will arise in our hearts. We've entitled this sermon series as we went through Luke, New Hope and New Joy. It is because as we live life with, with God, He fills us with these kind of emotions, with peace and joy and hope. And far more than what we realized uh, when we first started this series, we have needed those kind of, of emotions from the Lord. We have been through a period of a, of a pandemic. We've, we've had the, the difficulty of having our kids all of a sudden uh, uh, be put into a distant learning format. We've, we've felt the isolation of shelter at home. We've, we've been disturbed as we have witnessed or thought about the racial protests that have been going on in our land over the last uh, several months and 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 we and we all these things that have been happening uh, around us have been have uh, been a threat to peace and to hope and to joy but i want to emphasize this morning that emotions are not uh, based on our 
circumstances. Emotions are based on our interpretation of our circumstances. In her book, uh, emotion, Cal Calming the Emotional Storm, the author says, it is important to recognize we are not usually responding emotionally to the situation that's occurring, but rather we're responding to our interpretation of that event. So two people that can experience the same event, one will, uh, one will be filled with fear and anxiety and, and uh, anger, and the other one will experience that and still be able to maintain hope and, and peace and joy. Why is that? Because one sees what's happening through a certain lens, and another sees what's happening through another lens. You see, as Christians, we come on our spiritual journey, and if we can, turn our minds to see the world around us through the lens of how God sees the world. If we can look at our circumstances and interpret them with, with God's perspective— that God is good, and that He is in control, that He is working out all things together for those who love Him for our good. If we can see it through His perspective and His love, then that is what results in peace, hope, and joy. But if we are overwhelmed by our circumstances, because where is God in this? He is not in control. He is surely not good. Then the emotional storm continues to brew within us so that we are filled with emotions that are outside of a, of a Godward perspective. Emotions are important mainly because they help us to understand what we actually believe. And what we believe is influenced by what we put into our lives. Kinsey loves to make biscuits at home. Uh, in fact, she's got this whole little recipe for biscuits almost memorized, I'm sure of it. It's got like two cups of flour and uh, one cup of milk, one cup of uh, sugar, uh, a tablespoon of salt, a couple tablespoons of baking powder. And uh, she'll put in all these ingredients and then she loves to mix them together and we'll put them in the oven for 20 minutes, and it's, and it's a great little treat, especially with some cherry or raspberry jam on them. And, uh, and what, but what if she accidentally, you know, as her little five-year-old self, got the sugar and the salt mixed up? And now, rather than a half cup sugar and a, tea, and a tablespoon of salt, it's a, ha it's a third cup salt and a tablespoon of of sugar. Or what if she reached and she thought she was getting the baking powder and rather she grabs the baking soda? You know, when we got done with the biscuits, they might actually still be edible, but they sure wouldn't taste very good. And the same thing can happen in our lives. We can put in the wrong ingredients into our lives and it might be livable. It might be bearable. We might, by tooth and nail, be able to get through it, but it will not be a life full of peace, joy, and, and hope. You see, this is what God is calling us to do, is to fill our hearts and our minds with the things of Him so that our emotions are transformed because we see the things that, the way that He sees them. And surely that means we, we monitor what we take in. Don't watch too much news. I'm not saying don't watch any news. It's just don't let it, uh, don't let it uh, hurt your soul because it can. Watch what you... Uh, 
be careful with what you watch and the voices you let into your mind all the time. Be careful with what you listen to. And make sure you actually add good ingredients too, like God's Word and, and uh, those things that will lift up your soul. Because the wrong ingredients can rob us of this, but the right ingredients can, can put us on the path where God begins to uh, grow these things in our lives. The first point that Jesus makes here that I want to emphasize is peace. The second thing is the idea of promise. That's the, th- that's the second word I had you circle in our passage. The idea of uh, God's promise. And uh, again, the, the passage that we see this is in verse 49. I am going to send you what my Father has promise. What is it that he's promised? Well, specifically, he's promised to his disciples the Holy Spirit. You see, this is really a continuation of what we will see in uh, the book of Acts. Did you know Luke is the, is the author of not only the gospel of Luke, but also the book of Acts? Luke actually, here's a little trivia for you, uh, Luke actually has written more of the New Testament than any other writer. Now, Paul has more books, but if you add up the number of words and actual content, Luke is the, is the one that has written more than anyone else. Because, uh, the, because where he leaves off here in Luke 24 will be picked up in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. In Acts 1 and 2, we see that the Holy Spirit has come upon them. And this is what Jesus is referring to here when he makes a promise. The promise was first given by John the Baptist in the beginning of the book of Luke. In Luke 3.16, John said, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandal I am not even worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and, and fire. That's the promise. The Holy Spirit will come upon them with power. You see, this idea of God's promises are key for us to live on this path. We need to know the promises of God to give us strength so that when we go through those difficult times in life, we have rock-solid truths to hang on to. Here's a couple of my favorite promises. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Some of you have memorized this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. So when we're going through those times in our lives where it's difficult to discern where we are to go, uh, we trust in the Lord and the promises that he will make our paths straight. Second one, James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. A promise for wisdom. When we, when we go through confusing times of life, we need wisdom. Uh, we should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Psalm 23, 6. The, uh, and many of us, again, have memorized this one, the end of the shepherd's psalm. Psalm 23. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we doubt God's goodness, when we doubt God's love, we have that promise that His goodness and His love will follow us. 
will chase us down all the days of our life. Matthew 10, 19 and 20. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what you will say or how you will say it. At that time you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Do you ever wonder, God, how, what, how am I supposed to speak into this situation? And you have doubts about whether you can witness, whether you can, uh, whether you can communicate what God wants you to uh, say. Here's the promise. It will not be you speaking, but you're the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Again, a promise to hang on to. Hebrews 13, 5b, But God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Times where we doubt uh, whether God is still with us. God has promised that he will be with us. And then uh, one more. Josh, oh, actually, I got two more. Sorry. Matthew 28, 20. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' last words in the Gospel of Matthew, that he will always be with us. That's a promise. And then lastly, uh, Joshua 1a. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Do you ever, do you ever wrestle with life and its meaning? Are we being prosperous? Are we being successful? Here's the promise that if we keep the book of the law, uh, the book of the law in our on our lips and meditate on it day and night, then, then the promise that we will be prosperous and successful. Maybe not always prosperous and successful in the definition, the world's definition of prosperity and success, but in the way that God uh, has promised. And a lot of that has to do with this uh, point on the pinwheel as well. The world we live in is surely an uncertain place. This is the first generation, our young adults today, that do not believe they will have a better life than their parents had. Up until this point in American history, uh, each new generation has the hope that they will have more success, that they will have more prosperity than the than their parents did. And I'm sure that there are exceptions, but by and large, young adults today do not have that same hope of prosperity and success. And so this is why we keep coming back to the Word of God. We talk about new hope and new joy in the Gospel of Luke because it is not found in worldly things. It is the promises of God that are much deeper and much better than worldly hopes and dreams. And so this is my challenge for us. Seek out the promises of God. Seek them out uh, uh, so that you can have your mind and your heart transformed to be fixed on the things of God. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, we train our hearts and our emotions to delight in the things of God so that these two things will go hand in hand. In fact, that's why I've got this on a pinwheel because there's no point one or point B. These all go hand in hand. In fact, it leads us right into point three, which is the idea of God's power. That's the third word I had you circle. Again, it's found in verse 49. Uh, Stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You and I, if we are to live a successful Christian lives, we need God's power. We are mindful that we cannot do uh, what God has called us to do in our own strength. In fact, every week when I stand up here to preach, I am very mindful that this is in partnership with the Holy Spirit, that it is God's power in us that gives us the ability to transform. Again, to put it in uh, to first century context, the power that the disciples would, re- would receive in Acts 1 was the power that the Holy Spirit gave them. Uh, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Speaking of God's power that would descend upon them, Dallas Willard uh, has defined spirit as personal, unbodily power. Each person has a spirit. It's unique to them. It's personal to them. And it's not a part of their physical body. It's unbodily power power. And there is a divine spirit that we call the Holy Spirit that is personal, that is, uh, that is relational, that has a personality, God himself, and yet it is unbodily. It can come and dwell within us, and it gives us power. Do you need God's power today? Do you feel like all of the things in your world are uh, are uh, a little bit outside, maybe not a little bit, a lot outside of your control, feeling a sense of helplessness and powerlessness that may fill you with anxiety and fear. If only we could grasp the power of God that lives in us when we trust in him. When Jesus came, he had power, right? We saw this all over the Gospel of Luke. Power over the wind and the rain, power over evil spirits, power over sickness and even death. And now the same spirit that raised Jesus from the, uh, from the dead comes in to live within us. Do you need power today? Do you need power for healing? Emotional or physical or spiritual healing. Forgiveness is a, is a type of healing. Do you need power for, for help a problem or a decisional, a decision to be made, a, a, a relationship. You need God's help. Do you need power for holiness? Holiness is to love God and to hate sin, to live for Him and to, and to have our lives in line with Him. We're going to close today's uh, service with a song. And, and the lyrics are super simple. But, but this, is, this, is, this hopefully will resonate with your heart. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want for me. And that's what we long for. Now Jesus 
told his disciples when, uh, when he was speaking of God's power to, to wait for God's power. And you and I, in this day and age, in 2020, to be honest, we're not really good at waiting. If we've got 10 seconds, we'll reach for our phone. We, we are not a people that are, that, are, that are very good at waiting. And so this is a challenge for us. How many of you feel uncomfortable right now? <laughs> I feel a little uncomfortable. 15 seconds of silence? That's hard. We're not good at waiting. But waiting may be the key to spiritual power. Because we wait upon the Lord. We don't take to seek to take things into our own strength. Waiting upon the Lord takes spiritual discipline. And so what does waiting look like for you? Surely it means spending time in prayer. Surely it means spending time meditating on God's Word. Surely it means trusting in the Lord and not taking things under our own, uh, with, our, with our own abilities or with our own strength. To wait upon the Lord. These are the three fundamental principles. Power, peace, and promise all on this path, this spiritual journey. And I can spin the wheel e either way. There is no first or right. In fact, if you are on a spiritual journey, I want to challenge you this morning to think about what is it that you need most. I know, I know full well none of you are going to remember all of these points, but would you remember one? Is it the promise? Or do you need the promises of God? Do you need to search out God's Scripture this morning? And ask him what he has for you. Do you need the peace of God to wait upon the Lord and to, and to have him uh, change your perspective so that you see the situation or the circumstances around you differently? Do you need the power of God for his healing, for his help, for his holiness? What is it that God is calling you to this morning? Each of us are on a spiritual journey. We're on a path. And God is here to help us wherever we are at. As we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, one of my traveling companions in this, in this, uh, in this series has been I. Howard Marshall. And uh, I want to just close us with a quote from I. Howard Marshall because it helps to kind of put us all into, the, into this, uh, uh, to tie it all up with a bow. I. Howard Marshall says, The central theme in the writings of Luke is that Jesus offers salvation to men. If you were looking for a text to sum up the message of Luke, it would undoubtedly be Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is still on a search and rescue mission. The Son of Man is still uh, coming to seek and to save the lost. And even the, uh, when we are saved and we know God, we, we can sometimes get lost in our way. May we continue to seek the Lord. May He continue to seek us and save us as we, as we 
trust in him. May God's peace, may his power, and may his promises go with you this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us so much and that you now come and you impress upon us the things you would have. And I recognize that we have been traveling through Luke. We've covered 24 chapters. It's a lot of material. But God, may these fundamental things stick with us. May God, we be filled with your peace, with your promises, and with your power. And may it change us from the inside out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.